0: It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
1: Welcome into the Atlanta Sports Party, your home for the best Atlanta sports talk. It's local insight. You can't get anywhere else but right here at Locked On. I am your host, Tanitra Batiste. Alongside me is Jarvis Davis. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets. That's a pretty darn cool deal, if I do say so myself. And if you want to hear more about it, stick with us for this episode. And you can also visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On to get started. And of course, our Atlanta Sports Party is part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Now, you guys know that it became official, official earlier this week with Raheem Morris being introduced, rather not advertised, introduced as head coach, but Jarvis, was there an elephant in the room? We're going to talk about it and give you guys our takeaway. Then we're going to go a little deeper and have a deep dive, not just about what Terry Fontenot had to say on Monday, but also Looking a little bit ahead to free agency, and we'll wrap this party up by talking to you guys about whether or not something may or may not make college football look a little different. But first things first, Jarvis, we had the good fortune and good opportunity to be able to see Raheem Morris in person introduced as the new head coach for the Atlanta Falcons, right? Right. And the elephant in the room was the concept that came up. But it's funny because the elephant in the room had different meanings. One meeting, yeah. it was one moment it was the 800 pound elephant that was referencing the fact that the press conference was on the same day of 28 to three, we'll leave it right there. But mm-hmm. another one of the elephants in the room likely because we didn't quite get, it was, it depends on, on what you have to say about it, but it felt like it was a little bit of a tease, kind of a little bit of a non-answer all rolled into one. But the question becomes you get your head coach, You get your two OCs, you round out your staff. So now it becomes about the roster. And the number one part of that is the question for QB1. Jarvis, when you walked away from that being the elephant in the room and Morris mentioning, quote, that he was looking for an elite processor, do you feel like he kind of tipped his hand?
0: A little bit because here, here's the thing because yeah. for me when someone says something like that I kind of look where they came from look at their background right yeah right, because even when going back to when he was here like Matt right. Ryan was an elite processor you know and what I'm saying I know people who have some questions about his arm strength and what have and you his and all mobility that yeah. yeah mobility and all that stuff but when it comes to processing the game like Quickly. listen to him if you got question if you question that listen to him on how he, he um broadcast games. Like listen to it as an analyst, as a commentator, you understand he understands the game perfectly. And then in the past three years, he was with um he was with Jared Goff initially, and then they traded. They ended up trading for Matthew Stafford. Matthew Stafford. A lot of people are saying, "Hey, given his situation in Detroit, that's the only reason why people want to consider him to be a Hall of Famer." But we saw what he did when he came to the Los Angeles Rams and was paired with Sean McVay. So, Mm -hmm. given his history, what he's been used to, what he's had success with, you got to think that they might have to go that veteran quarterback route, you know, and, and try, and maybe it'd be, be a Russell Wilson, or, or maybe it'd be a Kirk Cousins. I'm not necessarily a big fan of Kirk Cousins, because you talk mm-hmm. about 90 million over two years for a guy yeah. coming off an Achilles injury. Indeed. I'm good on that. I'm good. But if Russell Wilson, I'll be able to listen because, Hey, you bring a guy like that in, maybe bring him in on a two year deal. And then, you could draft a guy in the first round because, hey, this is a pretty deep quarterback class. There's some guys yes. that I feel like you don't have to draft to that eighth overall pick. You know, mm-hmm. you can add to the defense, you know, <clears throat> Dallas Turner. <clears throat> and, and you know, and then maybe look at somebody like a Michael Penix in the later round, maybe in the second yes. round, if you're able to grab him right there. So I I, I, I can't – it was hard for me not to hear that, hear those words, mm-hmm. elite processor and say, because who's elite uh, elite processor coming out of college? Right. You know, like we talk about talent and arm yeah. strength and all that stuff. You don't hear guys saying, hey, this guy is an elite processor coming mm-hmm. straight out of college. It yeah. just doesn't happen like that. So I feel like he really tipped his hand there and said, hey, they might go off that veteran quarterback route.
1: Yeah, because that's a very rare situation you could point to this year, a C.J. Stroud. But again, a rarity. And on some level, although. There were some starts and stops. I think it may have been more the coaching than it was Tua Valoa, but another elite processor. But that's a very rare trait. That's an intangible that has nothing to do with your skill set, your ability to throw down the field or your ability to scramble that has everything to do about how quickly you're getting the ball out of your hand based on your ability to read everything that's going on around you with the offense and the play that you just called and the counter move by the defense. And one of the things I was thinking about as well, to your earlier point about elite processor, it's interesting because we haven't really talked about it a lot and you haven't really heard a lot of people talk about it, but there was sort of an illusion by Terry Fontenot of we thank you So much for your services. We appreciate what you did this past season. Desmond Ritter, we appreciate you, Taylor Heineke. Man, listen, when you hear thank you for your services, where's that brown box? Yeah, you're being laid off or laid (laughs) away. You're being walked out the building. In corporate America, Jarvis, is that not what that means? I
0: mean, yes, absolutely. When you think about pink slips and, you know, hey, thank you for your services. We We wish you well in your future endeavors. (laughs) You know, we know about those emails. (laughs) So So
1: I feel like that was another tip of the hand, like between Elite Processor and thank you for your services man, listen, we got the message flowery branch and not mad at you because the other piece of that is you've got Zach Robinson who also worked with that elite processor and Matthew Stafford. So he also can help you to understand what it looks like. You have Matt Ryan coming out earlier this week, talking about the work that Raheem Morris was able to do with the wide receivers, but also that alluded back to something he told you and I and the beat, writers and reporters here in Atlanta many years ago about mm-hmm. some of the studying that he did within the quarterback's room so yes. I feel like you have people on that staff who know what that elite processor looks like or in the case of what they currently have doesn't what an elite processor doesn't look like and the one other thing that I wanted to share before I ask you another question is when I think about Pukanukua mm-hmm. granted this guy absolutely blew everybody out of the water but Jarvis In order for a rookie to really be able to do some of the things that Puka was able to do, you also need a good quarterback because if not a great quarterback, because here's the example I give. I was listening to some Andy Reid sound earlier today on Mm. the Super Bowl, and one of the things he talked about, we didn't realize this, but low-key, you know those receivers only dropped three balls in three games in the postseason? Three, Yep. When you look amongst his rookie and his young core of receivers, the she guys that almost guys. Yep. exactly mm-hmm. the guys that everybody was saying at one point, man, maybe you need to ship them out of Kansas City. The point that I'm making is this. An elite processor like Patrick Mahomes doesn't say, you know what? Can't work with you, Rice. I'm good. Valdez Scanley, you're a couple years old. You know what this is supposed to be like. I'm good. Give me Travis Kelsey and get them out of the way. No, no, no. He goes into the lab and he works with them and he helps them become what they need to be for them to go on the postseason run that they did and get themselves back to the Super Bowl. The reason I'm making that point is, can you imagine an elite processor having a Drake London to be able to throw to? And then even if you're able to get some elite receivers or some elite receivers in the making somewhere in the draft, like you said, I agree, maybe not the first um, round, if you will, but maybe you go in the second round or even the third round, especially if you get that second round pick from that Calvin Ridley Mm deal. Indeed. That's a D right. And we talked about it a couple of days ago on the football party, how you literally have a trickle down effect. First, you're going to get the run of quarterbacks. Then you're likely going to get the run of O-linemen or wide receivers, or those two will flop. But that's really going to be your run this year. Mm -hmm. So I feel like if you get that elite processor, who's probably that wily veteran, you get him some young talent, man, listen, that offense for the Falcons will be able to catch up to that defense quicker than anybody could have anticipated. But yeah, I felt like they tipped the hand. And I will tell you, that tip of the hand in that way, I'm not mad about. Now, the other thing that uh, you might have heard From Raheem Morris was that he said that they had limited conversations about the quarterback position. Now, I'll be honest, that did concern some people didn't concern me at all. I don't expect you to tip your hand completely. I expect you to give us bits and pieces to let us know the direction you're going into. But ultimately, I didn't need them to sit there and tell us or map out their plan for QB1. Just let me know you have a plan for QB1. And I do think between not just what Raheem Morris had to say, but also what Terry Fontenot had to say, we got enough information to know that they are laser focused on getting this right.
0: Yeah, because they said they're going to exhaust all options. Yes. (laughs) All, all, with an emphasis on all, not O-L-L, not <laughs> to put options. to a trade, free agency, a draft, like yep. everything. So everything. That, I think that kind of that sends a message, right? They're just saying like, hey, we are coming in, and this is even though there are some guys or Terry Farno in that front office is, is still from, from the previous regime, it's a new day mm-hmm. today because, Indeed. hey, he's collabing with a, a, a fresh set of eyes, a fresh mm-hmm. set of mindset, a fresh – set of ideals and and, and how he wants to do things and and terry is going to acquiesce to that i wholeheartedly believe that so so yeah i'm not concerned at all either because we know that they can't be totally honest in in, in these in, in these in these in press conference because at the end of the day i'm sure he had to come up with some type of plan when when he was going through the interview process so i feel like this, that was just a, one of those presser type things because, hey, I don't want to get into that conversation because we still have quarterbacks on our roster. We want to be at least somewhat respectful of exactly. guys who are still under contract. So, so I think that was just a matter of him just saying, hey, yeah, we're, we're going to get to that. You know, I just want to make sure that we got our, our coaching staff together. And once we all come together and Terry is getting ready to start meet with those scouts right now, as we speak in the month of February, he's going to meet with all those guys. and going to start mm-hmm. setting that draft board and just looking at the tape before the combine gets here, because we know the combine can be a little fantasy world sometimes. So, hey, let's get it. Let's dig into this tape. Let's rank these guys and see if we can confirm what we've seen on tape and come late February.
1: Indeed. So now Jarvis, Raheem Morris, and Terry Fontenot may have had to be disrespectful, rather, to nine. We don't. The Atlanta Sports Party can say <laughs> what it said. And if you want to know what it said about nine, come back on the other side. This episode of our Atlanta Football Party is brought to you by FanDuel, Guys, it's three days to Super Bowl. It's crazy because it feels like it's been forever. And all of a sudden now the Super Bowl is upon us. And it's an opportunity to celebrate with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Now, if you're like me, Super Bowl Sunday is a lot about all of the pieces. And granted, you know, Jarvis and I are going to watch it a little bit differently because we got to give you guys our reaction in our shows next week. But we're still watching it to have a little fun. Also, Food low key. that guy on the other side, man, listen to brisket. Off the chain. And then, of course, it's the commercials, the fun, fun of the commercials. Well, FanDuel also allows you to have a good time and hopefully you'll make some money doing it. Not only can you bet on who will win Super Bowl 58, but here's the deal FanDuel also helps you bet which players will score a touchdown, how many points will be scored, and so much more. So, are you going to get your Travis Kelsey on in the end zone? Are you going to get your Christian McCaffrey on in the end zone? You make a bet. Might get you some money. New customers join today and you'll get $200 in bonus bets if your first bet of $5 or more wins. So visit fanduel.com slash locked on to sign up. Again, it's easy. Go to fanduel.com slash locked on to sign up. You can make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sportsbook partner of the NFL. All right, so let's talk a little bit more about nine. Now, you guys know I was joking, right? Because we have a lot of respect for Desmond Ritter. He's been a pleasure for us to cover as the media for the past couple of years. We were definitely hoping and very, very optimistic in the beginning of this season on what Des would have been able to do. But Jarvis, unfortunately, just like the last four games of last season, the first games of this season, we saw shades of brilliance and we saw shades of utter confusion. And so our thought is thank you for your services probably means that there's a good chance. Thank you. We won't see or need your services come 2024. What's your thought on the probability of seeing Desmond Ritter, maybe not as QB one, but maybe as a viable QB two for the Falcons in 2024. Uh,
0: I, I thought about that, that, that scenario, but I really feel like there's, it's a new day here, and, and yeah. I think Terry Fontenot and, and the, the words that we heard come out of his mouth uh, it was very clear. Was like, yeah, you know, we're going all options, so I wouldn't be surprised if, if there is a package deal, you know, like we like talked about it in, in early on in, in the show. It's just a veteran quarterback bringing in the, another guy that Raheem Morris feels like you yes. can tie his, his name to for the future and also bringing in the guy that can come in and be productive for you at right now in this moment and develop the guy behind, develop another guy behind yeah. Cause I feel like we've seen, I felt like this way, I felt like this was something that we were going to come to grips to when it comes to Desmond Ritter, because I, I felt like his ceiling coming into the NFL was, wasn't that high. I feel like we mm-hmm. we've seen his best football play in college and a lot of times when you see that 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 type of play in college, it, does, it doesn't necessarily transfer up, you know, because it, it's all about potential and what you're able to do and how you can be able to get better. And I just th- didn't think he could get better than what we already saw. And yeah. that's not a capable starting quarterback in that NFL, in my humble opinion. So, yeah. yeah, I feel like Terry Fontenot was very clear and, yeah. and, and, and leading the charge as to what he wants to do uh, going forward.
1: I would agree because one thing's for sure. He may not have been the incredible guy that he was during that run for Philadelphia before Nick Foles took over and took him essentially to the promised land of winning a Super Bowl. But Carson Wentz is still a very viable backup to Matthew mm-hmm. Stafford. That's yeah. the kind of backup that nine times out of 10 Zach Robinson and Raheem Morris are going to be looking for. That's the kind of backup that if there are some tweaks here and there, a TJ Yates can probably help with those tweaks. But I don't think those guys are going to be looking for a backup in training Mm -hmm. that they still need to develop, going back to what we said before – develop into whatever is the level below elite processor, because obviously elite processor is going to be your QB one, but QB two better be somewhere in the ballpark. And one thing that you can say about a Carson Wentz type of backup, or even I'll say in his good days, we we know that sometimes it's up and down, but like a a Jameis Wentz, You know, he's Mm -hmm. still considered a viable backup and maybe one of the better backups that we've seen that was a notable starter at some point, a Teddy Bridgewater. You're probably looking for that kind of backup who's reliable, who can still think on the go. And if you need him, especially if you get Jarvis into the middle of the season and the Falcons are right there like they were when things started to go south. No pun intended for the <laughs> NFC South. But yeah, you if you, you if you get to that point where somehow it's middling yet again and it's that back and forth between the Bucks, the Falcons, and the Saints, you want to know that if for some reason QB1 goes down, there will be a QB2 waiting in the wings who can pick up where he left off and not be like a Taylor Heineke where he picks up for half a game. But then you still end up losing and you're not getting much better than you had before he picked that up. Now, another thing that we heard as we were listening to Terry Fontenot speak on Monday at Coach Morris's press conference is just his the rationale kind of uh, getting us up to speed from the day that it was announced that Arthur Smith was being relieved of his duties because we've not had an opportunity to hear from Terry Fontenot about yeah. that. We've not had an opportunity to hear from him about the coaching interview process or anything. It's been dead silence. Well, finally radio silence stopped earlier this week with Terry Fontenot as far as that process goes. Now, after listening to him, does it make more sense or less sense that he wasn't in attendance at the announcement of Arthur Smith being fired? Because again, that's kind of the time. And when I say heard from him, I kind of meant like ghostwriter hearing from him.
0: But <laughs> <laughs> he was there in spirit, you. Right. What are you talking yes. about?
1: Yes. I was just like, when I heard Arthur Banks said, I was like, what are you what? talking about, right. sir? Well, wait, Jarvis, <laughs> can I say a a that? Right, exactly. <laughs> but just a quick sidebar before you say that. That is why when that press, when that presser started Monday, oh, David Bassity and Greg Beatles hit that microphone immediately. <laughs> Mr. Blank had a procedure over the weekend. (laughs) Because you know what the first question was going to be, T. I'm telling you. Where's Uncle Art? Where's Uncle (laughs) Arthur today? I mean, honestly, (laughs) because the whole, exactly, the whole room of about 30 media members, literally, when that door opened, and we did not see Mr. Blank walk through. We saw oh. Rich McKay, we saw Greg Beatles, we saw Brett Jukes, and if you know this, the hierarchy of this organization, that means we saw Those everybody guys, yeah. mm. but Mr. Arthur Blank. Immediately, you hear, you could, you you heard the whispers. You heard the whispers. Yeah. yeah. So I just wanted to sidebar and say that's kind of why we're touching on this because it did come up again, but it was a different situation because to that point, Jarvis, the Falcons realized. I'm not saying they would admit it, but realize that was maybe not the best move because it it did a lot to overshadow the process from that day on to the, to to this Monday.
0: Absolutely, and I think it makes more sense with a little caveat, right? I think it makes Indeed. more sense that he wasn't there because I think the whole Bill Belichick thing was a real. Deal. I think yes. Arthur Blank was seriously considering him being the head coach of this team. Indeed. And we all know what comes with that, though. And I think that ultimately was the reason why they did not go down that road, Indeed. because people are going to lose some jobs. They're going to be. We talk about handing out pink slips and, you know, thanking people for their services. Oh, yeah. please believe it. Was it. If Bill Belichick would have walked through that door up in Flowery Branch. I don't think Terry know would have had a job. They probably no. would have moved him around somewhere. Like, that man probably would have been doggone getting the mail in the, in the scouting room on the, on the first level. Like, yeah. you know, that man had worked his way up and, you know, assistant general manager with New Orleans Saints, he would probably would have been right back where he started if uh, Bill Belichick would have walked through those doors because they probably yeah. wouldn't have let him, let him go like that because that would have just right. been ugly. So I yeah. really believe that, you know, it makes more sense now Given mm-hmm. how the situation played out, uh, because we already know uh, the whole Rich McKay, Bill Belichick, that type of situation, those guys yes. not being able to work together. And people want to stick around, you know, and mm-hmm. see this thing through. And, and I, once they realized that, hey, Bill Belichick wasn't going to be a good fit, then they were like, oh, yeah, this is going to be a collaboration. And, yes. you know, Terry Fano is leading the way. You know, those are his words saying, mm-hmm. you know, when it comes to the interview process, because we uh, – Arthur Blank met with Bill Belichick solo, by yes. himself, the first time. So we understand like what that means and, and going forward for the organization when he did he decided not to go that route. So I think yes. that it makes more sense now, being that you know Terry Fontenot wasn't there because mm-hmm. there wasn't a guarantee they was going
1: to be there if they would have hired you know who. Yeah, and that's absolutely right. And you know it's interesting because we had an opportunity to just chat. Informally with Brett Jukes at the end of the afternoon. And, you know, that's when sort of the questions started coming up, if you will. And right. I thought that was very interesting because we were like, okay, real talk. Was Raheem really that guy? And he said, yeah, we unanimously selected him. The interview panel, synonymous, mm-hmm. synon- uh, yeah, exactly. He was mm-hmm. like, literally, it was unanimous to which the follow up question. And, you know, me, I was typing my notes just in case, <laughs> which yeah. I did tweet that out, too, of because course. I was like, if he allows us to, we will. I'll tweet it out. So I'm listening to Brett as he's talking. And one of the things he said was, you can put this on record when we got down to you know that final space, if you will, meaning those guys who got those second in-person interviews or those those guys who were in position to get those second round in-person interviews. Uh-huh. It became clear to them that he was the guy. So I think agreeing with yeah. you. They didn't want to talk much about Bill Belichick, and rightfully so. They didn't want to take that shine away from Raheem. That was his day, but it was also a valid question for a reporter to ask to get clarification on what happened when he seemingly was the frontrunner candidate. But the bottom line is they came together, and I think there's a clear word that this time wasn't just about throwing around platitudes, and that was the concept of collaboration, because it wasn't just about collaborating with Terry And with Raheem, it was also if we need to get some counsel from a Rich McKay, he's available. That's a part of what we consider collaboration. When we bring this to Arthur Blank, we want to have conversation about it. That's collaboration. I think they were looking at it holistically and realizing. If we don't want one guy who's going to try to do seven jobs and be expected to have unilateral (laughs) ability to do said seven jobs, Mm -hmm. then you have no choice but to go with Raheem Morris because that's the guy, if you were in the room or if you know anything about this organization, he was just the better fit for what they're trying to do now and what they're going to do in the future. So, yeah, I, I think that ultimately speaking, it was one of those where we had, it didn't make sense sort of why Terry Fontenot was not in the room back then but coming full circle and seeing where he is now we can kind of see and some shifts that we know have been made in Arthur Blank's um, executive leadership circle it certainly does make sense we got more to talk to you guys about on the other side so don't leave us because we're going to come back and go around the metro so Jarvis, something is always popping off a little bit different yes, in Lord. these college streets.
0: Yes, Lord. In
1: these college football so streets. I was just oh, about yeah, to say, I'm I was so like, jealous. Jarvis, you know you got FOMO. Heck, I didn't yeah, even I'm play moving. football. I, look, I was just a, not a cheerleader, but uh, not just a dancer, but I mean, shoot, I was a dancer. And I'm like, I'm looking on uh, social media at the dancers at Xavier and I'm like, dang, I'm, I'm getting FOMO too. But the ultimate FOMO is when you hear about Georgia quarterback Carson Beck. And I'm gonna use the P word purchased a Lamborghini. Yours, Purple Monte. Retail value 270 G's. What in the Sam hell in Athens and between them damn hedges is happening?
0: Look, look, a two, like, first of all, I don't believe that he purchased or paid $270,000. I just don't think, that part. I don't think that that happened. I think there was a deal worked out to where it looked like he purchased it and it it was in the form of a deal and just, hey, come down here, take some pictures, photo out. Like there has to be some of exchange of services in there somewhere that equaled up to that amount. And I don't think he came out of pocket with that type of amount. So let me me establish that first. (laughs) But like Beck, so, to an important part of this whole conversation, T, these folks riding around in Lamborghinis. And, and I'm sitting here trying to figure out and, how to pick my real Honda Pilot. cats <laughs> And like six figure cars what? in college. And I literally tried to figure out how I could get. Twenty dollars in college. Right. <laughs> so I go to right. the Aki Chinese food spot that everybody went to. You know, it's only one because we're in the country. We're all like, in small bitty Georgia, baby, and there's nothing but one good Chinese buffet. And right. all you needed was seven dollars to eat. And we used to try to scrape it up to go there as much as we possibly Indeed. could. So yeah, just to see these cats out here. Oh, my gosh. Like,
1: it's I, unbelievable. It, it's, it's, unbelievable. I mean, it's, crazy. it's so
0: unbelievable. It's so unbelievable.
1: It's, it's crazy. And it's funny because yesterday, and he didn't want this repeated across too many, like, media. But I'm like, hey, you put it out there. Yesterday at my other job on 92.9, the uh, morning show uh, or the mid-morning show, the yeah, Steakhouse. Had, uh, <laughs> had, yeah, <I> <laughs> Right, 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 right. <laughs> the uh, Steakhouse had uh, the legendary Bo Jackson on. And, of course, that was their yeah. first question. They were literally like, hey, um," they were talking about that deal that Carson Beck had. And he was like, yeah, because at this point, and I forget what kind of lawsuit he talked about. He said he made a joke, but that was a half joke, half serious situation right there. But he said, man, listen, (laughs) right. Yeah, right. But he was like, man, listen. If we could, we go, if we, cause I think they were asking if you could go back, like, what would you do differently? And he was like, yep. He said, I feel like we need to be out here basically doing a class action lawsuit because it's like, they're, I mean, the money that they're making hand over fist. Yes. Yes. Because what? you think about like the, the, the point that Stake Shapiro made was mm-hmm. Jordan Harris stadium. You'd walk in there on any given Saturday and on everybody's front Auburn and on everybody's back Jackson. Yep and it's 34 yeah and it just really hurts your heart and i mean bo jackson has gone on to do quite well for himself but that's not the point the point is wow oh i think he might have used the word reparations that's i think he might have gone there. yes he did yeah so mm -hmm, he went strong with it but hard in the paint Mm -hmm, yes he did
0: i got you but i get it
1: right because (laughs) yeah because we know what that term represents and the Mm -hmm. fact that yeah a lot of money was made across a whole lot of time for what these players were able to do to put these programs into the prominent spaces that they're in even today. So yeah, but I do agree with you. I think it's more of a situation that he didn't come out of pocket. Not that he can't, because his NIL deal is like that. But he didn't come yeah. out of pocket with that two seventy. It was probably on some level. We may see him endorsing the product or being one of their spokespersons, if you will. I think that's really what this is. I'm going available,
0: to be. Atlanta Auto. Right, but if they need exactly, I was
1: going to say, yeah, I'm available. I mean, the the sports party will do you know it for saying? you.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
1: sports <laughs> party will pull up to Athens. We will pull up. And yes, and if you need a <laughs> cheerleader, just last dancer. The
0: dealership got, is here. It's yeah. in Atlanta, it's Atlanta. Autos. Like uh, uh, that's like,
1: right. That's yeah, you right. can
0: pull up. Like seriously, yes, like, it's
1: right. That's right. So you like got me. right. You got me. You got a dancer. <laughs> you got a former football player. Like we yeah, can figure go. some things out for you. you I mean, if this us. is what you want to do, we thing. totally can, <laughs> and would love to do it for you. Because hey. We're just was, nice people like that. Anyway, we appreciate you guys for stopping by the Atlanta sports party. We just want to let you know, too, that the Locked On Sports Atlanta YouTube channel is now streaming 24-7. Yes, we said you can have all this Jarvis, all this Tanitra, and all this Atlanta sports 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And remember to like and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Well, Also, we are free and available wherever you download your podcast. We will see you on the Hawks postcast tomorrow.